Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Inyas Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Second half of Chapter 22, The Scientific Method. In the Dungeons of Slytherin An unused classroom, lit with eerie green light, much brighter this time, and coming from a small crystal globe with a temporary enchantment, but eerie green light nonetheless, casting strange shadows from the dusty desks. Two boy-sized figures in cowled gray cloaks, no masks, had entered in silence and sat down in two chairs opposite the same desk. It was the second meeting of the Bayesian Conspiracy. Draco Malfoy hadn't been sure if he should look forward to it or not. Harry Potter, judging by the expression on his face, didn't seem to have any doubts on the appropriate mood. Harry Potter looked like he was ready to kill someone. Hermione Granger, said Harry Potter, just as Draco was opening his mouth. Don't ask. He couldn't have gone on another date, could he? thought Draco. But that didn't make any sense. Harry, said Draco. I'm sorry, but I have to ask this anyway. Did you really order the Mudblood Girl an expensive mokeskin pouch for her birthday? Yes, I did. You've already worked out why, of course. Draco reached up and raked fingers through his hair in frustration, the cowl brushing the back of his hand. He hadn't been quite sure why, but now he couldn't say so. And Slytherin knew he was courting Harry Potter, he'd made it obvious enough in defense class. Harry, people know I'm friends with you. They don't know about the conspiracy, of course, but they know we're friends. And it makes me look bad when you do that sort of thing. Harry Potter's face tightened. Anyone in Slytherin who can't understand the concept of acting nice toward people you don't actually like should be ground up and fed to pet snakes. There are a lot of people in Slytherin who don't, Draco said, his voice serious. Most people are stupid, and you have to look good in front of them anyway. Harry Potter had to understand that if he ever wanted to get anywhere in life. What do you care what other people think? Are you really going to live your life needing to explain everything you do to the dumbest idiots in Slytherin? Letting them judge you? I'm sorry, Draco, but I'm not lowering my cunning plots to the level of what the dumbest Slytherins can understand just because it might make you look bad otherwise. Not even your friendship is worth that. It would take all the fun out of life. Tell me you haven't ever thought the same thing when someone in Slytherin was being too stupid to breathe that it's beneath the dignity of a Malfoy to have to pander to them. Draco genuinely hadn't. Ever. Pandering to idiots was like breathing. You did it without thinking about it. Harry, Draco said at last, just doing whatever you want without worrying about how it looks isn't smart. The Dark Lord worried about how he looked. He was feared and hated, and he knew exactly what sort of fear and hate he wanted to create. Everyone has to worry about what other people think. The cowled figure shrugged. Perhaps. Remind me sometime to tell you about something called Ask's Conformity Experiment. You might find it quite amusing. For now, I'll just note that it's dangerous to worry about what other people think on instinct because you actually care, not as a matter of cold-blooded calculation. Remember, I was beaten and bullied by older Slytherins for 15 minutes, and afterwards I stood up and graciously forgave them, just like the good and virtuous boy who lived ought to do. But my cold-blooded calculations, Draco, tell me that I have no use for the dumbest idiots in Slytherin since I don't own a pet snake. So I have no reason to care what they think about how I conduct my duel with Hermione Granger. Draco did not clench his fists in frustration. She's just some mudblood, 
Draco said, keeping his voice calm rather than shouting. If you don't like her, push her down the stairs. Ravenclaw would know. Have Pansy Parkinson push her down the stairs. You wouldn't even have to manipulate her. Offer her a sickle and she'll do it. I would know. Hermione beat me in a book reading contest. She's getting better grades than me. I have to defeat her with my brain or it doesn't count. She's just a mudblood. Why do you respect her that much? She's a power among Ravenclaws. Why do you care what some powerless idiot in Slytherin thinks? It's called politics. And if you can't play it, you can't have power. Walking on the moon is power. Being a great wizard is power. There are kinds of power that don't require me to spend the rest of my life pandering to morons. Both of them stopped, and in almost perfect unison, began taking deep breaths to calm themselves. Sorry, Harry Potter said after a few minutes, wiping sweat from his forehead. Sorry, Draco. You've got a lot of political power, and it makes sense for you to keep it. You should be calculating what Slytherin thinks. It's an important game, and I shouldn't have insulted it. But you can't ask me to lower the level of my game in Ravenclaw just so that you don't look bad by associating with me. Tell Slytherin you're gritting your teeth while you pretend to be my friend. That was exactly what Draco had told Slytherin, and he still wasn't sure whether it was true. Anyway, speaking of your image, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Rita Skeeter heard some of the stories about you, and she's been asking questions. Harry raised his eyebrows. Who? She writes for the Daily Prophet, Draco said. He tried to keep the worry out of his voice. The Daily Prophet was one of his father's primary tools. He used it like a wizard's wand. That's the newspaper people actually pay attention to. Rita Skeeter writes about celebrities, and as she puts it, uses her quill to puncture their overinflated reputations. If she can't find any rumors about you, she'll just make up her own. I see, said Harry Potter. His greenlit face looked very thoughtful beneath the cowl. Draco hesitated before saying what he had to say next. By now, someone had certainly reported to Father that he was courting Harry Potter, and Father would also know that Draco hadn't written home about it. And Father would understand that Draco didn't think he could actually keep it a secret, which sent a clear message that Draco was practicing his own game now, but still on Father's side, since if Draco had been tempted away, he would have been sending false reports. It followed that Father had probably anticipated what Draco was about to say next. Playing the game with Father for real was a rather unnerving sensation, even if they were on the same side. It was, on the one hand, exhilarating, but Draco also knew that in the end it would turn out that Father had played the game better. There was no other way it could possibly go. Harry, Draco said finally, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't my advice. Just the way it is. My father could almost certainly quash that article. But it would cost you. That father had been expecting Draco to tell Harry Potter exactly that was not something Draco said out loud. Harry Potter would work it out on his own, or not. But instead, Harry Potter shook his head, smiling beneath the cowl. I have no intention of trying to quash Rita Skeeter. Draco didn't even try to keep the incredulity out of his voice. You can't tell me that you don't care what the newspaper says about you. I care less than you might think. But I have my own ways of dealing with the likes of Skeeter. I don't need Lucius's help. A worried look came over Draco's face before he could stop it. Whatever Harry Potter was about to do next, it would be something Father wasn't expecting. And Draco was feeling very nervous about where that might lead. Draco also realized that his hair was getting sweaty underneath the cowl. He'd never actually worn one of those before, and hadn't realized that the Death Eater's cloaks probably had things like cooling charms. 
Harry Potter wiped some sweat from his forehead again, grimaced, took out his wand, pointed it upward, took a deep breath, and said, Frigidiro! Moments later, Draco felt the cold draft. Frigidiro! 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 Then Harry Potter lowered the wand, though his hand seemed a bit shaky, and put it back into his robes. The whole room seemed perceptibly cooler. Draco could have done that too, but still, not bad. So, science, you're going to tell me about blood. We're going to find out about blood by doing experiments. All right, what sort of experiments? Harry Potter smiled evilly beneath his cowl and said, You tell me. Draco had heard of something called the Socratic Method, which was teaching by asking questions. Named after an ancient philosopher who had been too smart to be a real muggle, and hence had been a disguised pure-blood wizard. One of his tutors had used Socratic teaching a lot. It had been annoying, but effective. Then there was the Potter Method, which was insane. To be fair, Draco had to admit that Harry Potter had tried the Socratic Method first, and it hadn't been working too well. Harry Potter had asked how Draco would go about disproving the blood purist hypothesis, that wizards couldn't do the neat stuff now that they'd done eight centuries ago because they had interbred with Muggleborns and Squibs. Draco had said he did not understand how Harry Potter could sit there with a straight face and claim this was not a trap. Harry Potter had replied, still with a straight face, that if it was a trap, it would have been so pathetically obvious that he ought to be ground up and fed to pet snakes. But it was not a trap, it was simply a rule of how scientists operated that you had to try to disprove your own theories, and if you made an honest effort and failed, that was victory. Draco had tried to point out the staggering stupidity of this by suggesting that the key to surviving a duel was to cast Avada Kedavra on your own foot and miss. Harry Potter had nodded. Draco had shaken his head. Harry Potter had then presented the idea that scientists watched ideas fight to see which ones won, and you couldn't fight without an opponent, so Draco needed to figure out opponents for the blood purist hypothesis to fight so that blood purism could win, which Draco understood a little better even though Harry Potter had said it with a rather distasteful look. Like, it was clear that if blood purism was the way the world really was, then the sky just had to be blue, and if some other theory was true, the sky just had to be green and nobody had seen the sky yet. And then you went outside and looked, and the blood purists won. And after this happened six times in a row, people would start noticing the trend. Harry Potter had then proceeded to claim that all the opponents Draco was inventing were too weak, so blood purism wouldn't get credit for defeating them because the battle wouldn't be impressive enough. Draco had understood that, too. Wizards have gotten weaker because house elves are stealing our magic hadn't sounded impressive to him either though Harry Potter had said that that one at least was testable, in that they could try to check if house elves had gotten stronger over time, and even draw a picture representing the increasing strength of house elves, and another picture representing the decreasing strength of wizards, and if the two pictures matched, that would point to the house elves. All said in such completely serious tones that Draco had felt an impulse to ask Dobby a few pointed questions under Veritas Serum before snapping out of it. And Harry Potter had finally said that Draco couldn't fix the battle, Scientists weren't dumb. It would be obvious if you fixed the battle. It had to be a real fight between two different theories that might both really be true, with a test that only the true hypothesis would win, something that actually would come out different ways depending on which hypothesis was actually correct, and there would be experienced scientists watching to make sure that was exactly what happened. 
Harry Potter had claimed that he himself just wanted to know how blood really worked, and for that he needed to see blood purism really win, and Draco wasn't going to fool him with theories that were just there to be knocked down. Even having seen the point, Draco hadn't been able to invent any plausible alternatives, as Harry Potter put it, to the idea that wizards were getting less powerful because they were mixing their blood with mud. It was too obviously true. It was then that Harry Potter had said, rather frustrated, that he couldn't imagine Draco was really this bad at considering different viewpoints. Surely there'd been Death Eaters who'd posed as enemies of blood purism and had come up with more plausible-sounding arguments against their own side than Draco was offering. If Draco had been trying to pose as a member of Dumbledore's faction and come up with the House Elf hypothesis, he wouldn't have fooled anyone for a second. Draco had been forced to admit this was a point. Hence, the Potter method. Please, Dr. Malfoy, whined Harry Potter. Why won't you accept my paper? Harry Potter had needed to repeat the phrase, just pretend to be pretending to be a scientist, three times before Draco had understood. In that moment, Draco had realized that there was something deeply wrong with Harry Potter's brain, and anyone who tried legitimacy on it would probably never come back out again. Harry Potter had then gone into further and considerable detail. Draco was to pretend to be a Death Eater who was posing as the editor of a scientific journal, Dr. Malfoy, who wanted to reject his enemy Dr. Potter's paper on the heritability of magical ability. And if the Death Eater didn't act like a real scientist would, he would be revealed as a Death Eater and executed. While Dr. Malfoy was also being watched by his own rivals and needed to appear to reject Dr. Potter's paper for neutral scientific reasons, or he would lose his position as journal editor. It was a wonder the sorting hat wasn't gibbering madly in St. Mungo's. It was also the most complicated thing anyone had ever asked Draco to pretend, and there was no possible way he could have refused the challenge. Right now they were, as Harry Potter had put it, getting in the mood. I'm afraid, Dr. Potter, that you wrote this in the wrong color of ink. Next! Dr. Potter's face did an excellent job of crumpling in despair, and Draco couldn't help but feel a flash of Dr. Malfoy's glee, even though the Death Eater was only pretending to be Dr. Malfoy. This part was fun. He could have done this all day long. Dr. Potter got up from the chair, slumped over in dismay, and trudged off, and turned into Harry Potter, who gave Draco a thumbs up, and then turned back into Dr. Potter again, now approaching with an eager smile. Dr. Potter sat down and presented Dr. Malfoy with a piece of parchment on which was written, On the Heritability of Magical Ability, Dr. H.J. Potter Evans Veris, Institute for Sufficiently Advanced Science. My observation, today's wizards can't do things as impressive as what wizards used to do 800 years ago. My conclusion, wizard kind has become weaker by mixing their blood with muggleborns and squibs. Dr. Malfoy, said Dr. Potter with a hopeful look, I was wondering if the Journal of Irreproducible Results could consider for publication my paper entitled On the Heritability of Magical Ability. Draco looked at the parchment, smiling while he considered possible rejections. If he was a professor, he would have refused the essay as too short, so... It's too long, Dr. Potter, said Dr. Malfoy. For a moment, there was genuine incredulity on Dr. Potter's face. Uh... How about if I get rid of the separate lines for observations and conclusions and just put in a therefore? Then it'll be too short. Next! Dr. Potter trudged off. All right, said Harry Potter. You're getting too good at this. Two more times to practice, and then third time is for real. No interruptions between. 
I'll just come straight in at you, and that time you'll reject the paper based on the actual content. Remember, your scientific rivals are watching. Dr. Potter's next paper was perfect in every way, a marvel of its kind, but unfortunately had to be rejected because Dr. Malfoy's journal was having trouble with the letter E. Dr. Potter offered to rewrite it without those words, and Dr. Malfoy explained that it was really more of a vowel problem. The paper after that was rejected because it was Tuesday. It was, in fact, Saturday. Dr. Potter tried to point this out and was told, Next! Draco was starting to understand why Snape had used his hold over Dumbledore just to get a position that let him be awful to students. And then... Dr. Potter was approaching with a superior smirk on his face. This is my latest paper on the heritability of magical ability, Dr. Potter stated confidently and thrust out the parchment. I have decided to allow your journal to publish it and have prepared it in perfect accordance with your guidelines so that you may publish it quickly. The Death Eater decided to track down and kill Dr. Potter after his mission was done. Dr. Malfoy kept a polite smile on his face since his rivals were watching and said... The pause stretched with Dr. Potter looking at him impatiently. Let me look at that, please. Dr. Malfoy took the parchment and perused it carefully. The Death Eater was starting to get nervous about the fact that he wasn't a real scientist, and Draco was trying to remember how to talk like Harry Potter. You, ah, need to consider other possible explanations for your, um, observation, besides just this one. Really? interrupted Dr. Potter. Like what, exactly? House elves are stealing our magic? My data admit of only one possible conclusion, Dr. Malfoy. There are no other plausible hypotheses. Draco was trying furiously to order his brain to think. What would he say if he was posing as a member of Dumbledore's faction? What did they claim was the explanation for Wizardkind's decline? Draco had never bothered to actually ask that. If you can't think of any other way to explain my data, you'll have to publish my paper, Dr. Malfoy. It was the sneer on Dr. Potter's face that did it. Oh yeah? snapped Dr. Malfoy. How do you know that magic itself isn't fading away? Time stopped. Draco and Harry Potter exchanged looks of appalled horror. I didn't think of that! And I should have! The magic goes away! Damn, damn, damn! The alarm in Harry Potter's voice was contagious. Without even thinking about it, Draco's hand went into his robes and clutched at his wand. He thought the House of Malfoy was safe. So long as you only married into families that could trace their bloodlines back four generations, you were supposed to be safe. It had never occurred to him before that there might be nothing anyone could do to stop the end of magic. Harry, what do we do? Draco's voice was rising in panic. What do we do? Let me think! After a few moments, Harry grabbed from a nearby desk the same quill and roll of parchment he'd used to write his pretend paper and started scribbling something. We'll figure it out! Harry said, his voice tight. If magic is fading out of the world, we'll figure out how fast it's fading and how much time we have left to do something. And then we'll figure out why it's fading, and then we'll do something about it. Draco, have wizarding powers been declining at a steady rate, or have there been sudden drops? I... I don't know. You told me that no one has matched the four founders of Hogwarts, so it's been going on for at least eight centuries then? You can't remember hearing anything about the problem suddenly appearing five centuries ago, or anything like that? Draco was trying frantically to think. I always heard that nobody was as good as Merlin, and then after that, nobody was as good as the founders of Hogwarts. All right, Harry said. He was still scribbling. 
because three centuries ago is when muggles started to not believe in magic, which I thought might have something to do with it. And about a century and a half ago was when muggles started using a kind of technology that stops working around magic, and I was wondering if it might also go the other way around. Draco exploded out of his chair, so angry he could hardly even speak. It's the muggles! Damn it! Weren't you even listening to yourself? It's been going on for eight centuries at least, and the muggles weren't doing anything interesting then. We have to figure out the real truth. The muggles might have something to do with this, but if they don't, and you go blaming everything on them, and that stops us from figuring out what's really going on, then one day you're going to wake up in the morning and find out that your wand is just a stick of wood. Draco's breath stopped in his throat. His father had often said, Our wands will break in our hands, in his speeches. But Draco had never really thought about what that meant. It wasn't going to happen to him, after all. And now, suddenly it seemed very real. Just a stick of wood. Draco could imagine just what it would be like to take out his wand and try to cast a spell and find that nothing was happening. That could happen to everyone. There would be no more wizards, no more magic, ever. Just muggles who had a few legends about what their ancestors had been able to do. Some of the muggles would be called Malfoy, and that would be all that was left of the name. For the first time in his life, Draco realized why there were Death Eaters. He'd always taken for granted that becoming a Death Eater was something you did when you grew up. Now, Draco understood. He knew why father and father's friends had sworn to give their lives to prevent the nightmare that was coming to pass. There were things you couldn't just stand by and watch happen. But what if it was going to happen anyway? What if all the sacrifices, all the friends they'd lost to Dumbledore, the family they'd lost, what if it had all been for nothing? Magic can't be fading away, Draco said. His voice was breaking. It wouldn't be fair. Harry stopped scribbling and looked up. His face had an angry expression. Your father never told you that life isn't fair? Father had said that every single time Draco used the word. But, but, it's too awful to believe that. Draco, let me introduce you to something I call the Litany of Tarski. It changes every time you use it. On this occasion, it runs like so. If magic is fading out of the world, I want to believe that magic is fading out of the world. If magic is not fading out of the world, I want not to believe that magic is fading out of the world. Let me not become attached to beliefs I may not want. If we're living in a world where magic is fading, that's what we have to believe. We have to know what's coming so we can stop it. Or in the very worst case, be prepared to do what we can in the time we have left. Not believing it won't stop it from happening. So the only question we have to ask is whether magic is actually fading. And if that's the world we live in, then that's what we want to believe. Litany of Gendlin What's true is already so. Owning up to it doesn't make it worse. Got that, Draco? I'm going to make you memorize it later. It's something you repeat to yourself any time you start wondering if it's a good idea to believe something that isn't actually true. In fact, I want you to say it right now. What's true is already so. Owning up to it doesn't make it worse. Say it. What's true is already so, repeated Draco, his voice trembling. Owning up to it doesn't make it worse. If magic is fading, I want to believe that magic is fading. If magic is not fading, I want not to believe that magic is fading. Say it. Draco repeated back the words, the sickness churning in his stomach. Good. Remember, 
It might not be happening, and then you won't have to believe it either. First, we just want to know what's actually going on, which world we actually live in. Harry turned back to his work, scribbled some more, and then turned the parchment so Draco could see it. Draco leaned over the desk, and Harry brought the green light closer. Observation Wizardry isn't as powerful now as it was when Hogwarts was founded. Hypotheses 1. Magic itself is fading. 2. Wizards are interbreeding with muggles and squibs. 3. Knowledge to cast powerful spells is being lost. 4. Wizards are eating the wrong foods as children, or something else besides blood is making them grow up weaker. 5. Muggle technology is interfering with magic. Since 800 years ago? 6. Stronger wizards are having fewer children. Draco equals only child? Check if three powerful wizards, Quarrel, Dumbledore, Dark Lord, had any children. Tests. All right, Harry said. His breathing sounded a little calmer. Now when you're dealing with a confusing problem and you have no idea what's going on, the smart thing to do is figure out some really simple tests, things you can look at right away. We need fast tests that distinguish between these hypotheses. Observations that would come out a different way for at least one of them compared to all the others. Draco stared at the list in shock. He was suddenly realizing that he knew an awful lot of purebloods who were only children. Himself, Vincent, Gregory, practically everyone. The two most powerful wizards everyone talked about were Dumbledore and the Dark Lord, and neither had had any children, just like Harry had suspected. It's going to be really hard to distinguish between two and six, Harry said. It's in the blood either way. You're going to have to try and track the decline of wizardry and compare that to how many kids different wizards were having and measure the abilities of Muggleborns compared to purebloods. Harry's fingers were tapping nervously on the desk. Let's just lump six in with two and call them the blood hypothesis for now. Four is unlikely because then everyone would notice a sudden drop when the wizard switched to new foods. It's hard to see what would have changed steadily over 800 years. Five is unlikely for the same reason, no sudden drop. Muggles weren't doing anything 800 years back. Four looks like two, and five looks like one anyway. So mainly, we should be trying to distinguish between one, two, and three. Harry turned the parchment to himself, drew an ellipse around those three numbers, turned it back. Magic is fading, blood is weakening, knowledge is disappearing. What test comes out differently depending on which of those is true? What could we see that would mean any one of these was false? I don't know. Why are you asking me? You're the scientist. Draco, I only know what muggle scientists know. You grew up in the wizarding world. I didn't. You know more magic than I do, and you know more about magic than I do, and you thought of this whole idea in the first place, so start thinking like a scientist and solve this. Draco swallowed hard and stared at the paper. Magic is fading. Wizards are interbreeding with muggles. Knowledge is being lost. What does the world look like if magic is fading, said Harry Potter. You know more about magic. You should be the one guessing, not me. Imagine you're telling a story about it. What happens in the story? Draco imagined it. Charms that used to work stop working. Wizards wake up and find their wands are sticks of wood. What does the world look like if wizarding blood gets weaker? People can't do things their ancestors could do. What does the world look like if knowledge is being lost? People don't know how to cast the charms in the first place, said Draco. He stopped, surprised at himself. That's a test, isn't it? Harry nodded decisively. That's one. He wrote it down on the parchment under tests. A. 
Are there spells we know but can't cast? 1 or 2. Or are the lost spells no longer known? 3. So, that distinguishes between 1 and 2 on the one hand, and 3 on the other hand. Now we need some way to distinguish between 1 and 2. Magic fading, blood weakening. How could we tell the difference? What kind of charms did students use to cast in their first year at Hogwarts? If they used to be able to cast much more powerful charms, the blood was stronger. Harry Potter shook his head. Or magic itself was stronger. We have to figure out some way of telling the difference. Harry stood up from his chair, began pacing nervously through the classroom. No, wait, that might still work. Suppose different spells use up different amounts of magical energy. Then, if the ambient magic weakened, the powerful spells would die first, but the spells everyone learns in their first year would stay the same. Harry's nervous pacing sped up. It's not a very good test. It's more about powerful wizardry being lost versus all wizardry being lost. Someone's blood could be too weak for powerful wizardry, but strong enough for the easy spells. Draco, do you know if more powerful wizards within a single era, like powerful wizards just from this century, are more powerful as children? If the Dark Lord had cast the cooling charm when he was 11, could he have frozen the whole room? Draco's face screwed up as he tried to recollect. I can't remember hearing anything about the Dark Lord, but I think Dumbledore is supposed to have done something amazing on his transfiguration owls in fifth year. I think other powerful wizards were good in Hogwarts too. Harry scowled, still pacing. They could just be studying hard. Still, if first-year students learned the same spells and seemed about as powerful then as now, we could call that weak evidence favoring one over two. Wait, hold on. Harry stopped where he stood. I have another test that might distinguish between one and two. It would take a while to explain. It uses some things that scientists know about blood and inheritance. But it's an easy question to ask. And if we combine my test and your test and they both come out the same way, that's a strong hint at the answer. Harry almost ran back to the desk, took the parchment, and wrote, B. Did ancient first-year students cast the same sort of spells with the same power as now? Weak evidence for 1 over 2, but blood could still be losing powerful wizardry only. C. Additional test that distinguishes 1 and 2 using scientific knowledge of blood will explain later. Okay said Harry. We can at least try to tell the difference between 1 and 2 and 3, so let's go with this right away. We can figure out more tests after we do the ones we already have. Now it's going to look a little odd if Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter go around asking questions together, so here's my idea. You'll go through Hogwarts and find old portraits and ask them about what spells they learned to cast during their first years. They're portraits, so they won't know there's anything odd about Draco Malfoy doing that. I'll ask recent portraits and living people about spells we know but can't cast. No one will notice anything unusual if Harry Potter asks weird questions. And I'll have to do complicated research about forgotten spells, so I want you to be the one to gather the data I need for my own scientific question. It's a simple question, and you should be able to find the answer by asking portraits. You might want to write this down. Ready? Draco sat down again and scrabbled in his book bag for parchment and quill. When it was laid down on the desk, Draco looked up, face determined. Go ahead. Find portraits who knew a married squib couple... Don't make that face, Draco. It's important information. Just ask recent portraits who are Gryffindors or something. Find portraits who knew a married squib couple well enough to know the names of all their children. Write down the name of each child and whether that child was a wizard, a squib, or a muggle. If they don't know whether the child was a squib or a muggle, write down non-wizard. Write that down for every child the couple had. Don't leave any out. If the portrait only knows the name of the wizarding children, not the names of all the children, 
then don't write down any data from that couple. It's very important that you only bring me data from someone who knows all the children a squib couple had well enough to know them all by name. Try to get at least 40 names total if you can, and if you have time for more, even better. Have you got all that? Repeat it, Draco said when he was done writing, and Harry repeated it. I've got it, but why? It has to do with one of the secrets of blood that scientists already discovered. I'll explain when you get back. Let's split up and meet back here in an hour. 6.22pm, that should be. Are we ready to go? Draco nodded decisively. It was all very rushed, but he'd long since been taught how to rush. Then go, said Harry Potter, and yanked off his cowled cloak and shoved it into his pouch, which began eating it, and, without even waiting for his pouch to finish, spun around and began striding rapidly towards the classroom door, bumping into a desk and almost falling over in his haste. By the time Draco had managed to get his own cloak off and stow it in his book bag, Harry Potter was gone. Draco almost ran out the door. End chapter 22 The original text for this chapter can be found at fanfiction.net or by googling Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, and there is also a link included in this file's description. Recordings, questions, and comments can be sent to hpmorpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please help spread the word at your social forum of choice. If you're interested in learning more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. A link to the attributions page is found in this file's description. The music used is Catch That Goblin by Skaven. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for Chapter 23, Belief in Belief. <laughs>